Ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I am Adam Green, joined once again by Brett Barry. And Brett, unlike last week where it seemed like we had a lot of bad news to talk about, this week there's actually some good news regarding Arizona basketball. How about that? It's nice. <laughs> I prefer this very much. Um, since we wait, last did our wait, show... Adam, yeah, Adam wait, are what? you suggesting that uh, the panic fan base tweets and reactions to not hitting on one high school recruit was maybe... <laughs> Uh, a short-sighted uh, perspective to have? Uh, perhaps, and we said, like, we, we even last week talked about how it was disappointing where it was going, but the recruiting class wasn't finished. And it's still right. not, but since we last talked, since we last did a show, Arizona did land a point guard, Kerr Krissa, um, Lithuanian, I believe, right? Should we call him Ben to be simpler? Or from, from Estonia, so... Is, I don't, yeah, I think I don't it's know. Estonia. Yeah, Estonia. I don't know places, but... <laughs> He's a guy that Arizona was rumored to be in on. He's a six foot two, hundred seventy pound player, a point guard who has experience in some of the better leagues out there. And I had said I want Arizona to get another ball handling guard because you have James Akinjo, you have Jamal Baker, you have Terrell Brown. You can't rely on Brandon Williams as much as you'd like to. And this guy, I think he's been listed as basically a four star recruit by the services if he had played out here. So that's that's not a bad get for this class. I think I saw I'd bump them up to number 17 in the nation. Yeah, and the interesting thing is it seems as though, you know, it seems like his natural position is more a point guard role, but he seems like a point guard that can score, has good stats shooting from outside, which is something that is missing from the roster currently, uh, and maybe makes up for if Kerwin Walton doesn't commit to Arizona, which I think is rumored to be happy. You know, the commitment date is, I think, the end of this week. Um, so, you know, it's going to, it's going to fill a couple of holes. First of all, we don't know for sure if James Akinjo is even going to be, uh, eligible to play for the first, I think, 11 games of the season. Yeah. Um, and the funny thing, you know, the funny thing was we only had three post players, but it's like, you look at our roster and I'm almost more concerned about our guard depth at the time. And now I feel a lot better about it where we also have a shooter and, you know, supposedly he has some ability to be a, a fairly, you know, pesky kind of defender, a heady basketball player, good basketball IQ, can hit the shots. He looks a little skinny, but of course, you know, he's a young kid coming over from Europe. We'll see what, what he can do. If nothing else, it gives Arizona another option, another person who can score or facilitate, maybe play him on the court at the same time with Akinjo when you have guys that are not necessarily scorers. You can have multiple facilitators on the court at the same time. Uh, and somebody that can start at point guard potentially if he comes over and is ready for that. If Akinjo is not uh, not uh, immediately eligible, yeah, and he's not the type like I've never watched this kid play, but that's the case for pretty much every recruit Arizona's ever had. I don't really watch a lot of high school games, so when you look at his numbers, though, he did play in the Lithuanian NKL this past season, so I was kind of right on some things. You know, that's where I get mixed up. But he averaged about 15 points, six assists in 25 minutes, shot about 40% from three-point range. And this is against some professionals with, with the national team. So here's a guy, he's 19 years old, 
and he has experience against older players, better players. And, of course, he's, if he had played in the U.S., if he was in high school, people would have a different opinion of him. There would be more scouting on him. And just like any freshman that ever comes into the program, no matter what they did before they get to Tucson, doesn't mean it's going to translate at the collegiate level, right? So this guy is like any I mean, he's, he's a question mark, and is he, but is he a bigger question mark than a high school kid who's a four-star recruit? Not necessarily. And you look at him, though, and you don't want to throw a ton of expectations on him right now because, number one, he's, he's not coming in like Nico Mannion did as a five-star, one-and-done type of talent, McDonald's All-American. This guy, like, we never know. Larry Markin was supposed to be a two-year guy, and he played his way into being a one-and-done. But this seems like the type of player who will be at Arizona for – two, three, maybe four seasons, who by the time he leaves Arizona will be this outstanding point guard who may not be the athletic freak, may not be a big, but he just is a good, heady guard. Like The highlights I have seen, and amazing highlights make a kid look pretty good, but he looks like he's a good, smart passer, a good outside shooter, which are things that if they translate to Arizona, it's going to be a positive addition to the team and that guard rotation. Like you said, Brett, like yes, they need more depth at, on the big positions. They need more fours. They need more centers. They need something there. But guard play is where it's at in the college game, largely. In Arizona last season, they could have used one more competent guard. They didn't have one. And now this season, they're adding another one to a team that, now you look at their guard depth, you're like, okay, I, there's some stuff that I, there's some guys you think we can rely on. That's good. Some guys that will maybe be good like him. And then if Brandon Williams could be anything close to what he was before, your guard depth is pretty damn good. Yeah, and that's, you know, looking at what I was saying, I was almost more concerned about the guard depth that was largely with the presumption that you just can't count on Brandon Williams. You know, I would love for him to come back and be 100%, and if that's if that's the case, that's a game-changer. Absolutely. Well, he's not, you know, doesn't have the superstar qualities of, like, you know, the super five-star guys. That guy does everything pretty well, um, and that that's how you win a lot of games. Uh, the to go, you know, to go to your point on, we don't know what what this Kerr kid is, how, how he's going to pan out. And the Euro Euro guys are always kind of a big gamble. I mean, we all remember the star that Omar Telemans turned into for <laughs> Coach Sean Mill. Um, so you, you did don't he even you make know, it through a few practices. I I don't even know if he did. <laughs> um, speaking of guys that were getting by off of like really intriguing highlight videos that just showed, hey, that guy's athletic. Um, but you know, you, so you don't you don't really know until until they get here and get on campus. But at the same time, there's a difference between uh, Omar, the Belgian. I think he was Belgian, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, Kerr, wherever that is, <laughs> um, and Kerr, who is I'm just going to go with the first name so I don't run the risk of sounding foolish. Um, I actually, you know, you said if he was in the U.S., he'd be scouted, have a lot more in-person things. I would also say that if he was in the U.S., he'd be playing a lot more, uh, to borrow a phrase from football recruiting, pajama ball in the <laughs> AAU circuit compared to playing in a professional league against, you know, grown men. Yeah. So, you know, I, <laughs> if somebody has performed with a lot of minutes and performed admirably in these pro leagues in Europe, you know, are they the NBA? Of course not. But are they, are they a little bit more... Um, you know, is that experience a little more, let's say, gritty and impactful and uh, experiential learning than AAU ball, where everybody's just trying to add to their ball is life mixtapes? I actually think so. Well, and a point um, guard especially. Like, here's a guy sure. who's used to getting the ball to people running an offense, but running uh, I, I, without having watched his team's games, more professional-style offense. Now, does that fit with what Arizona wants to do? We'll see, right? And he... 
I guess, fun fact, he was named after Steve Kerr. And I guess he didn't know that when he committed to Arizona. He didn't know Steve Kerr had played at Arizona, which is, I get it, that's fair. But that's a good sign, right? <laughs> but no, it's just, it's just options. And a week ago, we're looking at Arizona didn't have players. And it wasn't a panic move to go get this guy. They like him. And the 24-7 scouting report I'm reading talks about skilled point guard, good size, average length. Uh, can improve efficiency off the catch and middle game, but can finish with both hands at the rim. Outstanding vision, creative passer, ambidextrous one-hand passer off live dribble. Competitive spirit and motor help overcome physical tools on defense. Projects as a high major starter. Does that sound like anyone you remember playing for Arizona? Like these type, That's a, ty- a good type of point guard to have if he becomes what he's projected to become. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I love, I, I love you mentioned he's like supposedly named after Steve Kerr and didn't realize it. I, for one, look forward to our next commit, uh, Igudala Petrovic, who has no <laughs> idea he's named after Andre Igudala. He just thought it sounded exotic. His yeah. um, no, I like, you know, obviously we're just looking to highlight films and that's the same issue that you'd have it for high school kids, too. It's just it's highlight. Look at this. You know, in professional leagues, the stats don't necessarily lie. Um, so. <sighs> It seems like, at worst, we added considerable depth and insurance. And at most, I legitimately see, depending on how things play out, even if Akinjo uh, becomes eligible early, you know, give it a waiver, or even once he comes back, if this kid is the real deal, he can be almost, you can almost put Akinjo in, him and Akinjo on the court at the same time, because they both need the ball in their hands to some extent, but... They're both facilitators and, sco- and can be scorers, and you have more threats on the court at the same time. And when you have people in the post who, you know, you don't have a Zeke Naji currently on the roster unless Jordan Brown has improved dramatically or Christian Coloco realizes that he can just dunk on everyone. Uh, you know, one dribble and I, I dunk basketball. Yep. Um, you know, it, it, it makes me feel a lot better about how the offense is going to flow, especially in a in a... You know, Sean Miller's offense is a little bit archaic, shall we say? It is, uh, and it's and it's motion. It's a it's a it's a elongated motion offense rather than set play calls. So having guys that know how to pass the ball effectively and that experience in pro ball, where you're having to make smart, high basketball IQ plays, I really think means he could be a pretty good fit. Uh, you know, the question is whether he's going to be physically ready and culturally ready to adapt to a completely different environment. One would think that playing in professional leagues when you're such a young age would help that. Um, and then, you know, you, but you feel better about things overall, and then you look at your post-depth, and then you, you know, pull your hair out a little bit. Feel a little bit less good about that. But, yeah, one more point on Kerr here is just depending on the type of roster similar has, like a good coach can adapt. And if this next year's team is more guard-heavy, then you'll probably see more guard-oriented lineups, maybe those three-guard lineups, which can work often. Now that they have to be the right guards, they have to be able to hit shots and defend and all that, but how many times this past season did we just need Arizona to have one more ball handler late in the game, one more person to make decisions, one more person who you trusted with the ball in their hands? So we don't know, and that's the case. They're replacing their entire starting lineup, Arizona. So that's a part of this. But there's going to be so many guys on this team next season who are playing new roles or they're guys we've never seen play at Arizona. So we can kind of project what we think they can be, but until they get to two, so until they start playing with each other, it's going to be hard to see exactly where they fit. But to your point, Brett, options. 
That's what it's all about. And the more options you have at guard, especially, the better off you're going to be. Now, obviously, they need to get some bigs. And your guy from Purdue, uh, Homs or whatever, he is not going to go to Arizona. It sounds like he did not leave them in his top three, which I guess Arizona was in, like, the top seven for a guy, and he went to, like, Louisville, that guy – other guy, I forget his name, but Luva wasn't in his top seven. So who knows? Maybe Arizona's still not out of the Homs sweepstakes. But it sounds like he is not going to be someone they add, which means, of course, this team still has holes. And we knew that. It wasn't last week, oh, the roster's incomplete. They get a point guard. Oh, everything's done. Like, of course, that wasn't the case. But certainly by getting a guy like Kerr, your guard depth, your guard rotation looks fairly, at least point guard, you are set there. You can now focus on other positions, and you have to believe that Sean Miller and the coaching staff, which is going to be changed a little bit, we're going to talk about that next, that their coaching staff has some targets in mind. Yeah, and I, there, if you believe the rumors, there's another Euro big uh, post player that we're in on. And I, I looked at some of the film of who is the most rumored one, and it looks like he's a guy who looks pretty skilled. But again, you can only take so much from that. But you know, somebody that's fairly highly rated in terms of European prospects. Um, it, you know, it's I, I, of course I'm personally disappointed because I just loved the notion of Harms and Coloco on the court at the same time. <laughs> but who are we to stand in harm's way? Uh, uh, but I'm... Uh, so you know, we. I don't think there's any world in which Sean Miller feels good about his post-depth going into this season right now, as is. Um, it, it, it depends on how you fill out the rest of the roster and even what their skill sets are. I'd be curious to see how it plays out because unless Jordan Brown, like we were saying, has gotten much better in the post or Christian Coloco develops some more one-on-one post moves, you know, I'm not sure the, the offense you ran last year that was really about trying to get Zeke Naji the ball and before that, you know, a couple years ago, it was trying to get DeAndre Ayton the ball. There's not that guy on the roster right now, and I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe if we get this European guy, that's the guy. Or maybe they take a more of a four-out, one-in, uh, a lot of ball screens and try to use your facilitators and kind of you manufacture mean, some options. change the offense to fit the talent that you have, the personnel that you have? It's Perhaps. possible. It's a bold strategy, but it's also one that... I got to think if that's the roster they have and you build your teams around the rosters, right? Like when they had Larry Markkinen, well, they probably need to get on the ball more, but that was a team not built around getting the ball into the low block, right? Like we've just, Arizona's the last couple of seasons, well, not counting two seasons ago, but the last couple of seasons or most of the last few seasons have had a big who you should run the offense through. Zeke Naji was their best offensive player last year. Get him the ball more. DeAndre Ayton was DeAndre Ayton. Get him the ball as much as you can. But when your team is Alonzo Trier, and Lowry Markkinen, you can run a different offense. So we'll see where they go with that. One thing that will maybe impact what type of offense they run is their latest. It's You can't really say rumored assistant coaching hire because a report came out. Jeff Goodman reported that Jason Terry was in line to be the net leading. He's the leading candidate to be Arizona's new assistant coach. And then Jason Terry himself tweeted, retweeted that with a plain emoji and then bear down. So it's not official, I don't think, because Arizona has a hiring freeze. But it certainly seems likely that Jason Terry is going to be part of Sean Miller's staff next season. And I think that's cool. Yeah, by the way, Adam, you totally ruined. I had an awesome segue teed up ready to say. And then My you bad. went into it. Because I was going to say, you know, tailoring the offense to match your talent with the multi-point guard lineup. We're going to match our coaching staff to match our, our talent with the multi-point guard coaching staff. That was but, so clunky. I think I was almost well, doing you a favor. 
I got dis- I got distracted and my delivery got worse because I was so frustrated at him. <laughs> but but it, it makes sense. Like Jason Terry and this is why it's like again, last week it was just bad vibes, right? It's like we need something good to happen, just a positive stretch of things, whatever you know, recruits would be that always helps. Well it's hard to get a better or a more positive vibe than adding Jason Terry. Now he's not an experienced coach. You know, he doesn't come but when you're filling out your assistant coaching staff, they have Sean Miller's the head coach. Uh, Murphy is the associate head coach. Jason Terry comes in if he's an energy guy and an ace recruiter, which he seems like he could very easily be both, then that's a win. That's a plus for your coaching staff. And he played, what, 18 years in the NBA, played for some amazing coaches, also played for Lute Olsen. The guy understands basketball. This just, if nothing else, this is a feel-good addition. Oh, yeah, and let's be real. He already started recruiting because I'm pretty sure he's the reason, or a reason why Terrell Brown decided to transfer to Arizona because I think he's like his like godparent or uncle or something like yeah. that. Um, and he's uh, essentially a basketball legend in Seattle, which is a pretty strong uh, talent hotspot when it comes to recruiting. You know, there was maybe some semi-bad blood between him and Sean Miller that was always kind of played out a little bit in the social media things. And, you know, obviously they buried the hatchet on that. and it's Which is nice. You know, That's a good sign, isn't it? One would think. Um, and, you know, you you have a fairly balanced coaching staff from this perspective, and you have a guy that has that much credibility. I, you know, did he play all four years at Arizona? I think he may have. Uh, or did yeah. he leave early? So he had an 18-year career after staying for four years. <laughs> you know, he was a guy that knew, knew about how he can, he can talk to players about getting them to the league and also talk to players about, hey, I didn't start right away, and it was fine, and I, that's how we won a national championship game, right? Um, there's, a, there's a lot of ads here, and certainly it doesn't hurt from the PR perspective. Uh, and it remains to be seen how much value he adds as a coach. But he, like, to your point, he's been around and been coached by quite a few good ones. Um, and if the name of the game is recruiting and then, and then motivation, and somebody that can tell you, you know, what it takes to make it in the league, having that guy right there that these kids actually remember, even from, it wasn't that long ago when he, in the, what was it, that playoff game dropped like 32 points off the bench. He was in the NBA just a couple of years ago. Play, people know who he is. Kids who are going to school now or choosing the schools, they know Jason Terry. They're not going to commit to Arizona because Jason Terry is there, probably, but he'll get them an in. There's Paulo Banchero. He's a Seattle prospect, one of the top five prospects in the country for 2021. All of a sudden, he's talking with Arizona. Right, <laughs> so that gets you in the door, and it's up to obviously Sean Miller and the program to close on these guys. But Jason Terry, to me, the the biggest storyline to me, and obviously we'll learn a lot about this, I'm sure, when he can ever be officially introduced. And he does interviews, and Sean Miller is asked about him too, and why he hired Jason Terry. But there was that bad blood, and maybe it wasn't so much bad blood. It was it like when the ESPN report first came out, Jason Terry had tweeted something about it, saying it's time to move on from Miller. Probably not in those, not that magnanimously. But I'm sure they talked about that, right? Sean Miller had to know that was out there. Jason Terry had to know he tweeted that. And they talked about it and still got to the point where they decided this was the right hire for both of them. It was for the program for Sean Miller and for Jason Terry to get his coaching career started. Like, that's when it's a big thing for Miller because it's like, good, but you should say, no, screw you, man. Like, you didn't believe in me a couple of years ago and you thought I cheated. I didn't. I'm, a, I'm saying Sean Miller would say that. I'm not saying he didn't. But, or, and just say, no, I'll go hire someone else. But for whatever reason, hopefully they talked about it and they're on the same page that Sean Miller looked at and said, Jason Terry is the right addition for this coaching staff. 
at a really key moment for Arizona basketball and for Sean Miller's tenure with the program. So I don't, we won't get the answers until either one of them can talk about the hire, but I'm interested to hear what they have to say. By the way, in terms of timing, how nice is it to have a guy who made tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars as your unofficially hired guy that's not getting paid, but is still being able to be out there and start recruiting, right? Yeah. Uh, even even in an unofficial manner, NCAA, if you're listening. <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, I'd kind of started to suspect this, kind of reading between the lines of some of the, the discussions after it was like, oh, they have their guy, fans will like it. Some of the people popping up on recruiting, Terrell Brown, uh, the guys, the kids in Seattle, like, I think this has been in the works for a while, and it was, like, gradually coming into form, and then it gradually leaked out, and now it's just like, well, it's it's happening some point, but, yeah, it's, at wor- you know, at worst case scenario, it's like a DeMarco Murray hire was for the football team, except for DeMarco, you know, Jason Terry isn't going to get another offer from his alma mater. He's at his <laughs> alma mater. Yeah. Uh, so it might maybe he gets an offer to go some other coaching job if he's really successful. But you know this is this is it's an analogous move to that except for you're hiring the hometown kid, which can't do anything to hurt you know ticket sales and fan engagement. Which box does this hire not check? You know we've talked about we we've seen the football coaching staff have to make a bunch of hires in the offseason. We look and say the best they could do given the circumstances. You know Paul Rhodes is a good experienced defensive coordinator. Boo is pretty good at his thing. Like they have you're like okay I can see why they hire those guys. You know they may not be perfect for their roles. You know Burns it's like well he might not may not be the ace recruiter you wanted at that spot, but you can see why he got the job. For what Arizona needed, for what Sean Miller needed on the basketball coaching staff, which has undergone a lot of change over the last four or five years. Jason Terry, for where they are, I think checks every box because he's going to help with recruiting, which hasn't necessarily been a weakness, but it's also the type of thing that needs to stay at a high level. He'll help that, especially in the Pacific Northwest, but also Texas because he had a nice successful stint with the Mavericks, and he's played in a lot of NBA cities, so people know who he is. And personality-wise, he's going to fire up the fan base, which we, we're part of that fan base. We understand that people are kind of down right now. It has not been a great few seasons for Arizona basketball with the vibe. So this will make you feel better. You're like, okay, that's that's Jet. That's Jason Terry. He's a bubbly personality, a fun guy, and he has a history, part of the national championship team. He was with Lute Olsen, you know? So that makes you feel good. And then if he can add to the X's and O's to Sean Miller, maybe when Sean Miller had Lorenzo Romar for that season, the thought was he's going to help change the offense. And it did a little bit because you have someone that comes in. Now, Grant Romar was an experienced head coach who came to the staff. But Terry will bring something to that coach's room. And it's going to be different than what the other guys do, but he's going to bring something. And maybe his experience, who did he play for? Like Don Nelson, I think he played under. Um, Rick Carlisle, obviously Lou Olson. I'm trying to think of all his NBA teams. There's so many of them, it's hard to keep track. But he's going to have ideas, and he's going to bring something to that coaching staff to that room. And you have to think players are going to really like having him there. Yeah, I mean, I think the only box that's not going to check is the actual X's and O's, but in reality, I don't think Sean Miller is really going to relinquish that in any sense. But what does that even mean? Like, so he's not a proven head coach. He's not a proven well, coach. I, I think tactically he's not going to be involved in terms of setting strategy. It's certainly not, at least initially. Maybe he, you know, he can offer an opinion. Um, Sean Miller doesn't strike me as somebody that's going to just, you know, he didn't do it really for Lorenzo Romar. He's not going to do it for Jason Terry and say, hey, fix my offense. Right. But at the same time, uh, he could be a perfect kind of mentor or coach for the guy who's probably the key guy on your roster next year, which is James Akinjo, 
right? That scoring point guard uh, that's a little bit undersized. I mean, that was what Jason Terry was before, you know, you know, back in the 90s, yeah. right? Um, and so I think from that perspective, in that, that mentorship and the little nuances he'll be able to work with Akinjo on of like, you know, how to how to fill that role, how to set yourself up for long-term success in, in, in you know, college basketball and beyond, because Jason Terry's a champion at both, right? He's going to have a lot of credibility. Um, and so, you know, from that motivation standpoint, from the recruiting standpoint, from exciting the fan standpoint, and, you know, just basketball credibility, it's about as good of a hire as you could hope for. Yeah. And for all the people, I'm not one of those people who thinks every coach needs to have ties to Arizona. <laughs> There's a lot of people like, it doesn't matter who it is, just hire an alum. Like, I'm not that guy. But for this specific role, I I fully agree with this. I'm on board. And it's Jason Terry. Like, we watched him play. Right? Again, he's what? I think he's 42 right now. Like, there's a guy who anyone who's going to Arizona right now, anyone who's following Arizona right now, has seen play in the NBA and knows who Jason Terry is. So, good hire, Sean Miller, when I guess it can officially be official. <laughs> we'll see when that is, but... You know, with a team that's Arizona, it's all about guard play, and now you have another guard, and like to your point, a guy who was a scoring guard to fill a role there to be able to say, hey, if you come off the bench, it's fine, or here's how you can kind of balance scoring and being a lead guard, all those things. So I think it's a good hire. It looks, you think it's a good hire. Oh, you got something. Oh, well, just one more thing to get excited about. You know, dust off the old knee-high cat socks because they're, they're going to be coming back to McHale's. Yes, <laughs> but if he's wearing a suit, well, I meant I meant the fans. Oh, I was gonna say the players want to do it. Yeah, I mean I've, I can wear my my Steve Kerr jerseys to the games, and our new point guard Kerr will not know that I'm wearing the guy who's he's named after. <laughs> uh, maybe he'll be number twenty five. I don't know. I think that was the pick the, the number he had in the picture they tweeted out. Was it? Yeah, yeah. They knew what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> But so good news for basketball. There's, of course, more recruits out there. And if Arizona gets them or doesn't get them, we'll talk about that next week. But we got one more segment to go through. And before that, let's take a quick break. We're leaving that in, by the way, Brett, just so you know, we're leaving that sound in. But Welcome back, everybody. Arizona basketball, things are good. Arizona football, obviously, things are on pause. But we're recording on Tuesday. This week is the NFL draft. And we're not expecting the Wildcats to have much of a presence over the course of the three days. Um, But J.J. Taylor, we're hopeful we'll hear his name called. I've read a lot of positive things about him. People are hiring him because they watched him play. Like, they know what this guy can do. Um, Is that the only hope Arizona has for someone getting drafted this year? NFL draft discussion should be a short conversation. No no insult to J.J. Taylor and his, what do you measure at, 5'5"? Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think the only other person you can think that might be able to sneak in there, uh, but I'm not sure how his measurables would do so far as going to the NFL would be Jace Whitaker, maybe. Yeah. Um, I think JJ Taylor is a guy that somebody, he's like the, to me, like a, a perfect, like seventh round pick for somebody that has a lot of talent and they just need kind of a scat back guy that can, you know, fill in roles on that and. I actually think he'd be a heck of a gunner on, like, punt return teams, right? He's also a good running back. (laughs) Well, yeah, but, I mean, like, you don't need to expect... You're not going to blow a first two days pick on... No. 
a, a guy who's not an all every down back, or at least has that potential. Which I, don't, I just don't think he does because he's he's limited in his size and his even as he is quick but not straight line fast, right? Um, but boy, you get him the ball in space on some like screens on third down and watch linebackers try to keep up with him and bring him down. He's also just damn tough yeah. when he's not throwing. You know, uh, what was the was it against Washington where they, he got blo- kicked out of the game for uh, targeting? <laughs> Oh, it was the for, Cal game. Oh, it was a Cal when he, you know, for yeah. leaving his feet, like for blocking a guy. Yeah, if he didn't leave his feet on the block, he would. You would have said he would have been hitting him below the knees, guys. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but we'll see, you know we'll see. And Jace Whitaker, I think, has a chance. He seems strikes me as more of a guy that might get an invite and a look. Uh, and then of course the wild card is the uh, Mister Heisman Trophy himself, Khalil Tate, uh, which. He, he, to me, strikes me as the perfect, um, you know, a team that wants to put him on a practice squad that wants, he wants to be a quarterback, somebody that thinks they want to have some depth and some potential there, you know, similar to some guys, some of the teams that have running quarterbacks, maybe there is a spot on a practice squad for him that you're not worried about, and he can kind of, I think it's actually almost better for him to go to where he chooses to go and where they have a plan for him. I did see one mock draft that had the Cardinals taking him in the seventh round, and I'm like, I'm not mad at the Cardinals putting him on it, the practice squad, yeah. but I don't, you know, maybe, I, like, I, he's not, he's not going to be on the active roster. You have a solid backup of Brent Hundley and, and uh, Kylie Murray, Kyler Murray, um, so he, they're, they're one of those teams that fit that description, right? Like and a the, type of team that would fit whatever Khalil Tate's best yeah. style of offense is, yeah. But, you know, I, I don't think I would be surprised if he got drafted, bluntly, because I just think that there's too many boneheaded plays on, but, the, like, on think, his film. Think of that statement. I can't disagree with you. I don't necessarily see Khalil Tate getting drafted either, but three years ago, would we have said that? You know? And Well, I think three years ago we would have said, wow, the t- talent is tantalizing, but can he put it all together? Which, and he clearly didn't. And that's part of the problem. Grant, Arizona won four games last season. So the idea that they weren't just stacked with NFL talent, not all that crazy. <laughs> if, you, they were, if they had better players, they probably would win more games. But if you look at it, even if Arizona, say Krukshik, uh, Whitaker, I'm sorry, I'm staring at a draft list. If Whitaker gets drafted, which he's going to end up on a roster in a camp, if nothing else. These guys, Kalotate's going to get signed by someone. If he's not drafted, he's going to end up in someone's camp. I guess if mini camps don't happen, I wonder how that'll change things. The, the, the ways that these guys used to get looks and they go OTAs, mini camps, things like that. And that's where they get a chance to and then go into training camp. They won't have those, it looks like. So who knows? But if you look at just a historical record for Arizona football, especially since Rich Rodriguez got to town, Arizona has not had guys' names called on either of the three days in the NFL draft. And they've had some good teams that have not had draft picks. And you could be a team that wins at the college level and doesn't necessarily have day one draft picks. That happens. You know, you just have the right mix, the right scheme, and all that. But certainly, it's not a great. Or it's it's not it's not a great look. Just when you're not noticed during the NFL draft, that's a bad thing. Like no one's going to say, "Huh, you know who I didn't see anyone pick for him was Arizona." But when an Arizona guy is drafted, and then they run the highlights of them, you know, so and so from Arizona, and you see JJ Taylor running through guys and all that, and there's an Arizona logo and all that, that's a good thing. And Arizona really doesn't get that too often in the draft. Yeah, and I think you hit on it where it's, I think they're working through the roster that was, shall we say, tailored to Rich Rod's desires. Uh, you know, the the small receivers, the 
three three five the guys that fit a three three five defense, the odd stack defense, which in reality those guys, you know, when you when you're looking at the NFL, you have to ha- you know, the measurables are like the price of admission just to go to the combine, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you can be the most productive guy. Hell, look at Scooby Wright. He was super productive and he has barely even been a fringe NFL player. He got he just drafted just in the seventh right. round. Yeah, and, and even that was like, what, like the third from the last pick, right? Number 250 overall. Yeah, I think it's 252 is, I believe, the normal count. Um, I could be wrong on that. Seven um, rounds, is it 30 teams? That would be 210 plus well, compensatory usually, picks. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and and that's because like he just doesn't have didn't have the forty speed, but he was the defensive player of the year for Christ's sake. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So like, you you you're always going to be playing from behind, and I think it shows up on on Arizona's roster too in their win loss record when they just haven't had the size, the sheer size to be able to compete with those guys and be able to recruit those guys. And they basically, Rich Rod made their system around trying to fit their system to try to maximize the talent with what you could get for these under, you know, kind of under-recruited guys and had some success with it, kind of like he did at West Virginia. Mm-hmm. You know, one, one could almost make an analogous argument that he does better with the lower-rated rate, recruits than he does with higher-rated recruits, say, at Michigan. Does it sound like a basketball coach you know? But, again, his, that <laughs> Michigan team was pretty dang good the year after they fired him. When his guys were juniors right. and you know juniors and seniors, sure. and and you look at it, even recently, Arizona had one draft pick in 2019. P.J. Johnson was a seventh round pick. Dan Krukshank was a fifth round pick in 2018. That's two draft two guys drafted in the last two drafts. 2016, Will Parks and Scooby Wright in the sixth and seventh rounds respectively. No one in 2015. Three guys in 2014. The highest was Kadeem Carey, fourth round. No one in 2013. Uh, it's it's not good. It's a sign. I mean, Arizona, they've had trouble sustaining things because they're not sending guys to the NFL. You know, and that's what players look at. Now, granted, the nice thing about the NFL is that you don't have to be drafted to have a chance because you'll get to a camp. If you're, if you're good enough, you find the right team, you can get on a practice squad or be a special teams guy and work your way into the lineup. That happens, but Arizona has not had a lot of guys do that. You know, a player's program for basketball because they're talking about like, how many guys they sent to the NBA, how many draft picks is in the – in the intro, I don't remember what the number is, but it's a lot. And that's the thing that they hang their hat on. Air, like ASU up north, they're trying to build this NFL model, sign guys in the NFL, and they're having guys drafted in the first or second rounds. Like they're going to have a receiver, was it uh, Nikhil Harry last year, was a first round pick. Brandon Ayuk's probably going to be a first round pick this season. That means something. And if you don't hear Arizona until day three in rounds five or six, where I was talking about the highlight videos and all that, they usually don't do that on TV then. They're always just interviewing someone else. I've, I've covered drafts, I know. And on day three, you don't really get the, oh, this guy from Arizona. They might be a quick blurb of them with a photo on the screen with their stats and maybe one highlight. Like, that doesn't help you. But it's one of those catch-22s because you need to send guys to the NFL to get them to have people see that. But they won't see that unless you're sending guys. It's like they won't. It's how you get the right players if you can't convince them to come to you because you can't show them that they should come to you in the first place. So that is. Hey, Adam, to be fair, when when they're drafting guys on the third day, they might be talking about another guy that Arizona has sent to the league that was not playing last year. (laughs) Gronkowski. That's true. He's going to be back with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But the one thing, and we've talked about this with Kevin Sumlin, what it looks like they're trying to do, whether it's going to succeed, whether it's going to be able to see it through, we're not, we'll find out. 
But if you look at the roster that he's building, it's more NFL-style guys. Grant Gannell is a big quarterback who has NFL tools. The offensive line, the defensive line, he's looking for size. Receivers, he's looking for size. Right? These are things that, I mean, granted, because they're big doesn't mean they're good. But if they're big and good, then they will make it to the NFL. And if you start sending guys to the NFL and you build a reputation as a coaching staff and a program who will get guys to the NFL, you're more likely to attract higher quality talent. So that's what they're trying to do. But, of course, it's now entering year three of the Kevin Sumlin era, which now we're going to start to see, assuming there is a season, his recruits, his first recruits be juniors, his second recruiting class being sophomores and be the guys who take over this team. We'll see if it works. Because if they yeah. are good, if they do win five, six, seven games, and I don't say five is like it's a good thing, but they show improvement and they're a better team, even if this win-loss record doesn't show it, then you'll start to see the fruits of, hey, you know what? These guys will be NFL-type players, and now Arizona's going to start having guys drafted again. So can, not to be a Kevin Sumlin apologist, but the, even his first class that you mentioned that are going to be juniors, it really wasn't his class. It was Rich Rod's last class. And some of the guys that they tried it, but I, I get that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, basically, they added Doyle and held together most of the rest of the team. And now the counterpoint is Doyle hasn't done anything to date, but, you know, just. Yeah, Doyle does not a... rule. <laughs> I, I see what you did there. You had a bad joke earlier. I could have one now. Well, we have, we have you know, a long ways to go to fill our quota. <laughs> yeah, it's been a pretty tame show. But, but that's <laughs> the point, right? I, it's. Until Arizona wins games, you can't count on what they're doing. Like, trust the process. Well, yeah, but for how long? But also, if you're going to say Rich Rodriguez and Kevin Sumlin have completely different systems and styles of football that they want to run, and you need time for Kevin Sumlin to get his type of players in the program, then he deserves more time to see if they can win games with those guys. And this was the first season where more of his guys are going to have, okay, we'll say sophomores at least, like Grant Cannell's a sophomore. That's one of his guys. You know, Jalen Johnson's one of his guys. Booby Curry, Bobby Wolf, those are his guys. Kristen Roland Wallace. Oh, I guess Scotty Young, they lost him. He decided to transfer. So that's cool. So that's a bad thing that happened with football. But no, my point is just Arizona, and this isn't anything brilliant. It's not breaking news, but the more guys they can send to the NFL who get drafted, that's a big thing for the program, and that's how you help build something and sustain it. Yeah, you, recruiting momentum and getting guys to the NFL builds more recruiting momentum, which builds more momentum to getting guys to the NFL. Create yeah. a positive feedback cycle, especially if you have these guys that can, you know, if they're true, if they're truly the developers of talent that we hope they are, it'll serve them well. Yeah, right. But we have that requires a little bit of patience, unfortunately, for us Arizona fans. No, it's it's easier to have that patience when you don't disappoint the first two seasons, right? You know, and then that's the thing. Like, Kevin Sumlin's first two seasons were not inspiring in any way. But he was going to get year three. He's on track to have a year three with a whole new coaching staff, defensive coaching staff, that doesn't get an offseason to work with their players. But but when you do look at the roster up and down, like Rich Rodriguez used to joke about which guys he wanted to be first off the bus because, like, they were the big guys, the ones who looked like they belonged at the Pac-12 level. Uh, if Arizona has more guys who fit that mold – then it's a different way of doing things, but it also might be the right way. Because if it, and if it is the right way, then you're going to start to see Arizona guys get drafted and see more of an Arizona Wildcats presence in the NFL in the next handful of seasons. Yeah, so. I think that's about right. Well, Brett, anything else you think? This is a little, you know, it's the off season, but this was a newsy week. Yeah, relatively newsy for uh, social distance times. Yes, say Scotty Young decides to transfer. That 
that stinks. He was one of their leading players, but he also never quite developed into the player that everyone thought he would after his freshman season. Yeah, and I think Scotty Young was both productive and frustrating. And, you know, just like I'm, it's hard to be upset about losing any of our defensive coaching staff. Uh, it's hard to get upset about losing any of our safeties who played considerable snaps the last couple of years because that was, you know, if there's a position group, and I'm not blaming Scotty Young entirely for this, but he had his own screw-ups at times. You know, that was not a strength when it maybe should have been based on sheer talent level. Yeah. So maybe there's something there. And we're only going we're going to be at a defense now that only has two safeties. Uh, you have some interesting options like the young guys like Jackson Turner. You have guys Roland that, Wallace, who's a big corner. I really love the idea of, I think uh, Michael Lev was one of the first people to say that if you moved Roland Wallace to cor- or a free safety, he could be elite there with his size and speed and Paul skills. And if you have Mackenzie Barnes and Bobby Wolf that are able to step up, you know, as young corners, you know, you might have something going mm-hmm. in the secondary. And don't forget, Brendan Schooler played safety for Oregon. And I had read that he'd expressed interest in playing both sides of the ball this season. Arizona yeah. has plenty of receivers. Now they have some need in the secondary. That could be where he goes, and he has experience, like you said. Yeah. So it's not. It's never fun to see guys transfer, I guess, but it's also not necessarily the end of the world when there are intriguing options. But, of course, it would be nice if those intriguing options could get a lot of on-field experience and practice in this new defensive system and perhaps a new position for them. Yeah. You know, we wish Scotty Young well, and hopefully he goes on and has a nice finish to his career and, and beyond. Yeah. Yeah, no, good luck to him. No ill will for that one. So, well, Brett, I think that's going to do it for this week. We made it a mostly positive podcast because that's Arizona sports for you. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. I shudder at what next week might bring because just when we start to feel too good about things, it usually goes the other way. I'm fingers crossed for the commitment from Igudala Petrovich. <laughs> I want to look up and see if there is a player named Igudala Petrovich now. But <laughs> If there is, I'm going to, uh, like, pass out from excitement. <laughs> but whatever happens over this next week, we will talk about it next week. And until then, remember to bear down. Bear down.